Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen. I am Cal Nussliger, and the crew is back together. I'm joined, as usual, back together with Rick Graham and Jay Crumpler. Hope we weren't missed too much, Rick, last week, but uh, we're back together. How's everybody doing on this? Uh, that's dog days of summer start approaching. Yeah, we uh, we got to talk a little bit about, you know, one of your personal favorites and Pete Fairbanks last week, and it's unfortunate you weren't there to, to chime in. Um, he's turned it around, so have, you know, a couple teams, but two teams who have not turned things around would be the Red Sox my Red Sox and your Yankees and yep. yeah this this weekend series coming up is not as exciting as uh it should be in the middle of August but um yeah like you said dog days of summer are still grinding away and uh you know getting then getting to the finish line that's right boys boys are back together and uh we'll talk about relievers as always I don't really have anything special to say so I guess we can just get right into it I will take that yeah and Rick, you're completely right. I'd be giving you a lot more jabs about the Red Sox and the upcoming series, but to be honest, I don't really care too much right now. I'm just that frustrated with the Yankees, so this is going to be a very sad series. But hey, if we take two out of three, maybe I'll be a little more cheerful about that next uh, next episode. But like Jake said, let's get into the reliever talk as always. In this episode, we're going to do some American League storylines to watch for the rest of the season. We got 15 different storylines, kind of trying to get our opinions out there for something for each team, just to, you know, things to monitor as we get closer to the end of the season. And as usual, we'll talk about a couple of risers and followers and exciting names from the past week. But we'll start like we usually do with the injuries. Good news, not too many injuries in the past week. The only two injuries, Phil Maton placed on the 15-day IL with right elbow contusion and Joe Kelly on the 15-day IL with right forearm inflammation. Guys, do either of these moves matter to you fantasy-wise? Does anybody rise in terms of holds for it or is it just a business uh, as usual this week, essentially? I would say... You know the the Maton he he kind of been struggling leading up to this point, and the Astros bullpen's deep enough where he shouldn't be too big of a loss for them. Kelly is, I mean, he was pitching better with the Dodgers, and he was working in a setup role, so that's a little bit of a, a miss. They're, they're going to miss him a little bit, but um, you know, Bruce Algrado has been pitching well. Uh, Ryan Brazier is starting to, yeah, you know, really you know, put things together in LA as I assumed he would once he left Boston, unfortunately. But one point one six ERA. Yeah, the, the Dodgers are one of those teams that just have a way with, you know, turning turning relievers into studs. So yeah, they'll be all right, even though Kelly was pitching well for them and it's 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 a shame to see him see him out. But um they also have other reinforcements coming soon potentially. So, you know, middle of September that bullpen could look completely different. Yeah, this likely increases the role for Brazier in L.A. and for uh, probably like Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero, and Kendall Graveman in Houston. I'm going to be more, I guess, names that we've talked about a lot more this season in terms of people activating from the I.L. Jordan Romano is activating 15 the I.L. for the Blue Jays for after the lower back inflammation. And we got to see, I believe, on Tuesday night, the first look of that back in the bullpen with him and Jordan Hicks and Boy, is that dangerous. They had five strikeouts among their six outs. It was pretty dominant. Uh, you guys think Romano obviously jumps right back in as the lead guy for saves in Toronto? Yeah, I, I don't think there's much of a competition here. And yeah, it, it showed last night. Um, it's still like I, I think you might want to just hang on to Hicks and Swanson for the weekend, maybe just to see how things things play out. And, you know, back injuries are you know kind of weird they can they can always flare up at any time so uh, i just kind of you know 
hold on to those guys maybe for the weekend unless there's other options available. But yeah, Romano should be the the guy going forward. I think this is the only eighth, ninth inning combo that has the same first name, which uh, I guess I wouldn't say it's confusing, but it's somewhat interesting. That is, yeah, that's the first. I don't know why I didn't put two and two together at first, but yeah, that's makes a lot of sense. Hunter Harvey activated from the 15 dial after a strained right elbow for the Nationals. I'd be more excited about this because we know on the show we are big Hunter Harvey fans, but Dave B. Martinez has already said that he will likely take over as the setup man, getting the ball to Kyle Finnegan more on Finnegan in a little bit, potentially. But uh, does Harvey kind of become someone that we want to roster? I know we've been a big fan of him. Do we still want to speculate him at this point? Uh, I, I don't think outside of somewhat of deeper holds leagues, I don't think there's a need to, to roster Harvey right now. Uh, Finnegan's been awesome. I, I, you know, has done a complete 180 since the middle of the year, beginning of the year. Um, when we were, you know, all, I mean, I was down and out on him and he's really turned things around. I don't, I think he's got a pretty good, you know, some leeway there. Uh, Harvey's velo was way down his first time back too. I'm sure it's just it could just be the first time you know pitching in a while, but without a rehab appearance, I believe too. So yeah, it's something to monitor with Harvey. But yeah, Finnegan's pretty pretty safe there, and you know turning into a a good steal uh, at this point of the year. Yeah, it sort of sucks that uh, he sort of went down like right as soon as he got the role, and then Finnegan has been very solid for a few months now. So, I, yeah, I don't really think there's a possibility that he retakes that closer role. And considering the state of the Nationals, I wouldn't see him getting a lot of holds. But he's I don't think he's a terrible option in holds leagues, but not somebody that's like a must roster in any like 12-team holds leagues. And the final couple news, you guys just stop me if it's uh, something that you are someone should. Andrew Kittredge activate from the 60 DIL after Tommy John's surgery. It's the race, so Kittredge could always be something one interesting. Garrett Whitlock activate from 15 day, 15 day IL, and the Red Sox have already said they're going to be bringing him into the bullpen. And Bryce Jarvis promoted from the minor leagues. Any of those moves intrigue you? Any of those three guys, someone do kind of circling towards uh, the back third or so of the season? Uh, Kittredge, yeah, I I think it's, it's he's it's been a while since he's pitched, but I think the last time he pitched in a full season, he was an all star. Um, so yeah, there's there's some in- intrigue there, especially because you know outside of Adam and, and Fairbanks, that bullpen's kind of you know hit or miss with with some of the names there. So Kittredge is interesting. I was interested in Whitlock until like last night. He looked he looked bad. I. I I don't know if he's. I think he still might not be right. Um, you know, he came back in his first out and throwing ninety seven. Last night he was around ninety four. Um, he's just kind of had a hard time staying on the field, and I don't. I don't know if there's much much hope for him having any value the rest of the season. Yeah, I think Whitlock is somebody to like put on your watch list right now. He's. I, I think he's much better as a, a reliever. I think his strikeout rate goes up a lot. So he's always been somebody that I'm interested in, especially because he can go multiple innings. He's sort of like a, a, a Michael King Jr., where he can sort of fill a lot of roles and, and be really good when he's at his best, which I don't think he is right now, but he's definitely somebody that maybe once he gets his legs under him after the long layoff that he can uh, get back to normal. And I wonder if Kittredge will factor into late innings there like you said there's not too many other guys there robert stevenson and jake deekman have been pretty solid and colin poche is doing his usual usual thing but jason adam and pete fairbanks are the only guys in front of kittredge and he was the like closer for that team just a couple of years ago and bryce jarvis is somewhat interesting he was the diamondbacks first round pick in 2020 and he mostly started in the minors, but he was somewhat of a swingman this year. 16 starts out of 22 appearances at AAA this year. And his ERA was well over five, but considering the prospect pedigree and that he was drafted 18th overall in 2020, he's somewhat interesting, should be able to go multiple innings and stuff. Uh, definitely a guy to put not pick up right away, put on your watch list, but somebody to keep an eye on that he won't be factoring in for saves, but the ability to go multiple innings and possibly become a, a Holtz guy is, is, is there. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep them on the watch list. Anything with the Diamondbacks, I'll still have some interest uh, in, but I, 
a lot of good good names there. I'm intrigued, especially Kittredge as well. Anytime the Rays bring somebody back, it's you know they're going to do something special. So I would keep definitely keep Kittredge on the watch list as well. Onto our risers and fallers. It was a pretty you know quiet week. I know when we we're preparing this segment, Rick was having trouble finding the last name or two to put on the list. But Rick, let's kick it off and see who's moving up in the ranks this week. Yeah, not a lot of um, you know trying to find the, some guys in the up column. Um, no one really rose significantly. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with um, I'll go with Evan Phillips just because you know he's been really you know it's been a lot of changes on on this list since the All Star break since the deadline of course but Phillips has been pretty consistent um, you know twenty percent K rate uh it's not great but it's uh or twenty percent K to walk rate I believe since the All Star break zero point seven two WHIP um you know we'll take we'll take that obviously and he's got five saves over the past three weeks you know he. Saves have been the kind of thing issue with him. It's it's getting those save opportunities, but he's still you know he's been the closer the whole year you know, for them for ninety nine percent of the year at least. It's it's been him as the you know top closing option there. He's held on to the role. He's pitched fine. It's just you know I think we we talk about him more if he had those higher save numbers like some of the other guys on the, on the list, but. He's been pretty pretty good and just like a very solid, for, especially for where you were getting him in drafts and you know whatever it took for Fab money. It, you know he's definitely been worth every penny of it this year. Yeah, uh, I think you nailed everything there. That it was just somewhat uh, hard to hold on to him while he wasn't getting saves, but now yeah. he's getting saves. The Dodgers are like crazy in August. I don't know if you guys saw that tweet. I uh, forget who it's from, but somebody was noting how good the Dodgers are in August. They've won like 80% of the, their games over the last four years in August, which is Ooh. crazy. Um, so that's definitely setting up Evan Phillips for a lot of save opportunities. And yeah, I mean, even if he's not like an elite strikeout guy, a, a strikeout minus walk rate over 20% is is very good and definitely mm. a, a top tier option, especially because of the team that he pitches for. And as you said, we speak about the Dodgers, the a graphic just showed up on the uh, game that I'm watching right now about That's the Dodgers true, 10 yeah. game, 10 game winning streak. They're currently yeah. going on. So plenty of save opportunities for Phillips there. I know at this point it's you, Jake, but yeah, he's been very, very good. But Jake, let's turn that boo upside down. Let's find you a riser from the past week. Um, I'm going with Adbert Alzale. He's been very good uh, the whole year, uh, but he didn't take over the closer role until later in the season. But since he's done that, he's been very reliable, not only in pitching well, but also he's been getting all of the saves in Chicago, which is awesome to see after we had a couple months where nobody really nailed down the saves. I remember there was a point like two or two and a half months into the season where there was nobody with more than like two saves in that bullpen. And it was sort of just looked like a lost cause, but Azalai has taken over that role, been a, a big saves monster in the second half as the Cubs have found their groove and, and started winning ball games. He's got a strikeout to walk ratio strikeout minus walk percentage above 22% since the all-star break and that's very good that's very elite and uh even if he's not a big strikeout guy he doesn't walk anybody so he's going to keep his whip low and uh i think he's somebody that you can trust throughout the rest of the year and hopefully the cubs keep winning games so that he can save more games yeah i love uh i I love what he's been doing he's been consistent he's kind of like in that phillips category where it's it's been consistent but the the saves have been the one thing where you know getting the save totals up uh, has been an issue, but since yeah, since the All Star break, nine saves. Um, the Cubs are playing great. He's a big, big reason f- uh, for that. You know, sh- shutting the door in the ninth inning. So, you know, another kind of guy who was free in drafts, or you know, pretty much towards the later end of drafts. And you know, Mark Leiter had a stint in this closer, but it's really been Alzale for the majority of the season. Yeah, it took me a little bit longer than I probably should have to come around on Alzale, but he's been incredible i think we've kind of all accepted this point that the cubs don't need to go out and you know this offseason go get some closer alzali has been that good he has prospect pedigree uh, i know jake was pretty early to jump ship from his uh fulmer love at the beginning of the season to get him to Albert alzali so uh props to you on that one but he's been 
he's been great. And the Cubs have been playing some really good baseball, find themselves right in the thick of an NL Central race. So there'll be plenty of opportunities to go around for him. And the segment is called Three Up, but we really struggled to find a third. Um, for me, Carlos Estevez is a name that I'll just throw out there. Two saves over the past week while he had some names such as Matt Moore and um, Ronaldo Lopez looming. He did pick up two saves, four strikeouts in those two innings. So strikeout stuff is still there. It's just, you know, puts, keeps a little hold on his closer's job while he had those struggles over the week or two prior. So hopefully this is a sign of things turn around. So I'll give some credit where credit's due to Carlos Estevez from the past week. Yeah, the Angels are sticking with him, and I uh, you know last week or last night was a little dicey. I think he he let up the f- two base runners right right off the bat, but then you know ended up getting three outs and getting working his way out of it and picking up another save. So yeah, as long as he's not blowing saves, they're gonna keep rolling him out there in the ninth inning. Um, no matter how I guess no matter how well Matt Moore or Ronaldo Lopez pitch in front of him. So yeah, Estevez is, is a as far as you know being the primary closer and the clear cut option. Yeah. He's, he's still that guy there. So that gives him a little bit of a little bit of a boost this week. Yeah. He entered the all-star break with an ERA under two. So he was pitching really well, deserved of that all-star appearance. And since then he's got a 7.43 ERA in 13 innings comes with 17 strikeouts to nine walks. And that also comes with five unearned runs. So he could even be Mm. more, uh, he could have worse numbers than he already does, uh, but surprisingly, he's held on to that role. Rick sort of called it, saw those underlying metrics and suggested that this might be it for him, that he might be a guy who loses his job down the line. That's not out of the question, and we'll get into that later when we discuss the storylines for the Angels. But yeah, he's somehow holding on to that closer role despite the blowups across the past month or so, and uh, we'll, we'll see if he can sort of maintain that that job until the end of the season as those three start to move their way up the ranks it's going to cause some other people to fall down in the ranks and one of these guys rick is one that we were very excited about post trade trade deadline and uh well it's not fully the case right now yeah it hasn't been uh hasn't been as what well, you know as good as we expected from carlos hernandez since the all-star break um you know I was excited. I know it's the Royals. You can't expect a ton of save opportunities, but I still thought we were going to get, you know, good, good ERA whip and strikeout numbers from him. But it's been kind of a disaster in August for him with he has no saves so far this month. And, you know, ERA, the 13.5 whip at 2.57. It's, it's really, I think it really comes down to just two, two really bad games. But, you know, no matter the case, it's kind of, pushed him away from being the closer there and they're, they're kind of trying out other options like Austin Cox and who knows, maybe Dylan Coleman gets factors in or Nick Wickren for, for all we know. So it's really, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, it stinks, but uh, yeah, Hernandez isn't, I don't think he needs to be rostered at this point in 12 teamers or maybe not even 14 teamers. Yeah, Nick Whitgren's gone. He's in the minors now, so uh, the options are, are oh, hey. the, <laughs> not that. too many options. Coleman's ERA is over eight, and I don't think they've even given Oxa or Coxa a save opportunity, but even though he's been pitching well, I think the most disappointing part with Hernandez outside of the performance is that they just won't use him as like a traditional closer. They just keep using him in, in random spots. They've, they've used him in games that they were losing. They've used him as like a high leverage guy in the seventh or eighth inning, and they're just not set on holding him to the closer role. Despite using Scott Barlow as the closer for the entirety of the season, Carlos Hernandez, I think had better stuff than, than Barlow. I don't want to say better pitcher. Barlow's got a pretty long track record, but yeah, I was also super excited for him to take over that role. And I quickly dropped him after I realized the Royals were going to play games. I think there's a chance that uh, Barlow ends up closing out games for them though, later on in the year. And I'm not talking about Scott, but Joe Barlow is now in the minor. (laughs) Joe Barlow in the minor leagues for them right now. Yeah. You know, the Royals have their one Barlow quota per during the season. So you lose the one, you gotta, you gotta bring back the other So, But uh, wouldn't that be something we're talking about a Barlow again? That would be, that would be funny. That would just make the season come full circle. Yeah. Say that. Jake, over to you. We've had a couple um, 
relievers who we were very high on coming into the season who are uh, really going through some struggles. Yeah, uh, I think Alexis Diaz is clearly one of those guys. He started off the season super hot, was looking like one of the best relievers in baseball, was just striking out the world, but that has sort of stopped, uh, ceased, I think is a better word, since June 23rd. He's uh, struck out just 18 batters in 21 innings. So this was a guy who was striking out like 50% of batters for the first two plus months. And now he's less than a strikeout per nine, 7.48 Ks per nine. Pretty awful. The ERA is still under three, but it comes with an XFIP of 4.85 during that time. So clearly he's not at the same level that he was at the beginning of the season. It's hard to pinpoint what exactly has induced this fall off, but uh, he, he's been walking a lot of guys. And I, I think it's just, I, I don't know if it's regression or if it's there, there's something changed, but I think something changed to go like to make that dramatic of a change all of a sudden. Like he went from on 620, he struck out three batters and then the next outing he struck out zero. And then for the rest of the season, he's just been a, a, a shadow of himself, which is somewhat disappointing. I thought he was going to like really follow up in the, in the shoes of his brother with him on the IL. And that, that was the case earlier in the season, but right now he's not in the reds having done nothing at the deadline are slowly fading out of playoff contention and thus are, are losing more games and leaving him without many save opportunities. So while you have banked really good stats, 33 saves, 2.39 ERA, 34 strikeout, 34% strikeout rate thus far. Um, I don't know if the last month and a half of the season is going to be as fun. Yeah, it's been, I mean, you can even go back a little bit further. It's, it's been a bit of an issue over, you know, 28 point is over this last 28 innings pitched, uh, 4.73 XFIP, 11.7 K to walk rate and just a 25.9% CSW. I mean, very, you know, all those numbers put him in the bottom, you know, third percent, even lower than that. I think he's in the bottom five amongst all closers and all of those categories since then. So, um, <clears throat> You know, he's still getting saves. He's still getting a bunch of saves. And there's, you know, that, yeah, that whole bullpen. And, and Lucas Sims has been horrible um, since pretty much the All-Star break, too. So they don't have a lot of options to turn to. So he's going to continue to get saves. But, I, yeah, I wonder if he's just a little bit worn down. Um, you know, he, he's young. He, has, he hasn't really pitched, a, you know, a ton in the, in the minor leagues. So he, he might just be a little bit worn down trying to get through the season. I, I don't know what it is, but it's it has he hasn't been the same guy since June than that we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, and let's take the exact same things you guys just said about Alexis Diaz and throw it over to David Bednar as well. His ex FIP is pretty close to Alexis Diaz at four point six six. A one four two whip is extremely concerning since over the past twenty four and two thirds inning. Thirteen point eight percent K to walk percentage, twenty eight percent CSW same thing. He's not been the same David Bednar. We know he's also fallen pretty far in ranks, but on four spots, but that's a pretty drastic fall for that, especially with the Pirates being a last place, not so great team. The save opportunities are also a little fewer and far between. He does have seven since the All-Star break, so about the same as Alexis Diaz, but what have you seen with uh, David Bednar that's really led to this sort of uh, a struggle as well with him? Yeah, he's been it's similar. I, I think he he's you know he's dealt with some injuries this year. I'm sure that something's still lingering uh, that's causing some issues. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 not hasn't been great for him. And unlike Diaz, I think Diaz you know probably ends up being the close the rest of the way. I wonder if Bednar has another IL stint because there's no real reason for the Pirates to keep rolling him out there if there is something, even if it's minor, if there's some sort of injury. I mean, Colin Holderman's been pitching really well. I, I don't think he should just take over the role right now, but I, I do think that maybe, you know, an IL stint for Bednar and then Holderman finishes the season as closer could be in the cards. So kind of makes it Holderman an interesting stash. Um, or if you're in like, if you're in deeper leagues, definitely a name to monitor uh, at this point. But yeah, Bednar is just, it's, I think it's, it's just like Diaz. It's great start to the season and then he's just kind of worn down a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty clearly the control that's sort of changed everything mm. for him. Through his first 24 innings, he walked one batter. And in his next 25 and two-thirds, he walked 14 batters. Uh, that's 14 times more walks. Um, so that's uh, <laughs> not not ideal. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's a big thing for him. I don't know if he's 
not getting the same swings and misses that he used to, or if he's not living in the zone as much, that's definitely something that, uh, would be able to be figured out by more of a deep dive on him, but the results have not been there during that time. Um, he's still racking up saves. He's he's still you know not blowing up, but he's not been the same Bednar that he was in the first couple of months of the season. Especially, I mean that that first month of the season is is absolutely carrying him. Uh, end of March through April, he had nine saves, and he's got twenty five now in the next uh, on the season. So that's like. F- 16 since April um he almost had he had he had nine in the first month and then 16 the rest of the way so clearly the the pace has fallen off and and so has his uh control let's hope he and Diaz can both turn things around as we have only about a month and a half or so of this 2023 season but we'll take our first break and we get back we will discuss some of the more intriguing storylines for the rest of the season throughout the American League all that and more on in the pen This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope NY. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. All right, we're back here on In the Pen. We're going to, as we discussed, there's a lot of ex- exciting storylines in the American League in terms of their relievers and their closers. We've picked one from all 15 teams. We're going to see what we can try and uncover for the rest of the season. We'll start out in the American League East with the first place Baltimore Orioles. And I think it's something that a lot of us are kind of asking. Is Yenye Cano already washed? It's been a, a rough second half season. So is he just... Don, is there anything we can really trust with Cano rest of the season? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, if you asked me this going into August, I might have said yes. But he's been pitching really well this month so far. He, you know, only three hits over five and a third, six strikeouts. So a little bit of a strikeout resurgence for him. Um, that was kind of the thing, you know. In June, he just lost. June, even part of July, lost his ability to strike to, to miss bats. So. He's kind of bringing that back. Um, so I wouldn't say... I think Wash might be a little strong. I, I don't think he's the guy... He, he's not the guy we saw in the first you know, month and a half of the season. But I, I, I do think there is still a good setup option here. Um, probably, you know, a top two or three tier, you know, holds candidate that, you know, if something were to happen to Felix Batista could be a really valuable closer. Yeah, I think he sort of set the bar too high early on in the season. He didn't walk anybody or allow a run through his first 21 and two thirds innings. And like you were saying, in in June and July, the, the case was sort of different where it looked like he might actually be washed because the numbers were not there. He wasn't striking anybody out, but he has sort of righted the ship a little bit. I wouldn't say the strikeouts are fully back, but since he did give up that first earned run, he's got a 2.83 ERA in 35 innings, but it comes with just 27 strikeouts and also comes with 10 walks. So whatever skills he had in the beginning of the season are sort of gone because he walks guys now. He doesn't really strike anybody out. Or I, would, I don't want to say anybody, but he doesn't strike guys out like he used to. And the results are still there. And he's obviously still got the role as like the top setup option for the best team in the American League, which is surprising to say. And they're they're competing with the Braves too. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Yenny or Cano is the same guy that he was at the beginning of the season. I wouldn't say, like you said, I don't think he's completely washed, but I don't think he's like the elite holds option 
in terms of like if you factor in everything ratios and and strikeouts and everything that his full season numbers suggest he's got a 1.75 ERA and 27 holds which leads the majors but it comes with a 24% strikeout rate which was a lot higher at the beginning of the season so I think while he's still like being serviceable I don't think he's like the same guy that he was at the beginning of the season when it looked like he was going to have one of the best relief pitcher seasons of all time. Speaking of elite hold candidates, we'll move over to the Tampa Bay Rays and with Jason Adams, since we know we could have talked about Pete Fairbanks here, but we decided to move away from him for a, a segment. But is Jason Adams done being a saves league candidate with how good our boy Pete Fairbanks has been pitching lately? Uh, Yeah, I, I think... You know, I the only reason I was I'm skeptical is because of Fairbanks' injury history. It's just, you know, he he's pr- prone to IL stints all the time. So I, you know, I I think and I think you can you can probably let him go and and just save only leagues that are you know, sixteen team or smaller. Um, but yeah, there's just it, I always just because if Adam does end up in that role and the saves role for the Rays, he becomes you know a pretty elite closing option. Then that's just one Fairbanks injury away, which is you know prone to happen a lot. So uh, I, I still think yeah, I, I would say Adam probably is not viable in saves leagues, but still someone to definitely monitor and 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 watch because there's there's a lot of value there. Like if you're dropping him for Let's say like Carlos Hernandez or Jojo Romero. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if that's really the, a, a big, a big difference because Adam at least is going to get you strikeouts. He's going to get you, you know, good ratios. And I don't think the save difference might be that, that big enough to where if, if, if Fairbanks does have any sort of injury and he, he looked really bad his last time out. So I, they're, I don't know, just something to kind of ramble in here. But I, I, I would say Adam is done for now, but, don't lose track of that situation and see how things play out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I haven't gotten the courage yet to drop him in in the fifteen league, fifteen team league that I roster one. him in. Um, but I, the Rays just seem so committed to Fairbanks, and like you said, the only real concern there is that he gets injured again. We, we saw him finish off last year healthy, which was good to see, and and maybe that gives you confidence that he can All do the that. Playoffs, yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it's difficult to. Oh, did he get injured in the playoffs? I believe isn't that where he, he felt like numbness in his fingers uh, in, in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds yeah. right. Uh, it's it's just sort of difficult to preemptively like. N- not drop a guy, which is weird to say preemptively, mm-hmm. preemptively hold on to a guy, just like expecting somebody to get injured. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, if, if you're, if Fairbanks is gone and Adam is clearly that that's next guy up, he's uh, an elite option and he's probably uh, a better ratios and strikeouts guy than you're going to find on the wire in most leagues. So unless you're finding somebody that's super elite that you think should be on your roster or you're getting a pitcher or a, or a hitter that really helps out your team, I, I, I wouldn't quite drop him yet because there's still uh, the possibility and he doesn't, he's still somebody that can be of value to your team without garnering saves. Over to Toronto. We talked about this at the beginning of the show a little bit, but how do the two Jordans work together? Uh, well, I think I think Hicks definitely ends up being the setup option here with Romano being the closer. But you know, they could take things easier with Romano, not work him on back to back days for a little bit. So Hicks could still have some value. So can't Swan- so can Swanson. Um, that really is uh, turned into a really good, you know, late, late inning option. I mean, that's one of the top leading options in baseball right now with those three. So, and Tim Mays has been pitching awesome as well. So they, uh, they do have a pretty set. I think that's going to be a pretty set, uh, situation though, where if probably Hicks get in the eighth, Romano get in the ninth, Swanson in the seventh, something like that. So yeah, I, I think, um, Romano's still the clear cut closer here. Yeah, they've been so committed to him over the past few years that would it would be pretty surprising to see them go off of him. He does have like a, a one run difference in his ERA and XFIP, so there is the possibility that he struggles in the past in the last month and a half, especially coming off an injury. There's that the possibility that 
either they take it easier on him or that the injury is still bothering him or the the layoff sort of took him out of his groove. But that'll definitely be something to watch. I, I agree that Romano's probably going to hold on to this closer role, but Hicks is still, uh, he's really good. All right, over to Boston Rick's, uh, Rick's go-to team. And this one's a little more of a fun one. We don't have as big of a uh, contest, but Kenley Jansen, where is he going to end up on the all-time saves leaderboard? You know, where he, he just got career save number 400 this season. Where do we see him trying to finish the season off at? Mm, that's a, that is a good question. And I need to look at the all-time save leaderboard to have a better answer for this. But um, let's right now see. he's seventh. He's seventh, three behind okay. Billy Wagner, five behind John Franco, and he's... 18 behind Francisco Rodriguez. So I, I don't think he's getting up to number four, but uh, top five is uh, pretty within reach. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I think he's definitely going to be top five after the, uh, should be top five after the year as yeah, I think the Red Sox can, can muster up another, you know, six save opportunities for him. Um, yeah. Going forward, I, I think he's not going to, he's not going to top those top two, but there's definitely a path to become, you know, third all time and saves, which would be, yeah, it really, I didn't realize Lee Smith was third all time. I, that's, that's also kind of crazy. I, but um, yeah, I think Jansen and Kimball right behind him too. I'm sure we'll talk mm-hmm. about him next week. Kimball's yeah. only six saves behind. So I think those two guys have, a. they've shown this year, they definitely have something left in the tank and uh, yeah. they could get into the top five easily. Top five is pretty crazy, and I don't think I would have uh, guessed that, especially because both of those guys, Jansen and Kimbrell, are in their 14th year, and everybody above them has played at least 16 years, so mm-hmm. they, they're definitely on pace to, I think, pretty clearly be the next guys outside of Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman, who have a huge lead over third place, um, but yeah, maybe uh, Jansen is one of two or the sole member of the, the 500 save club by himself. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that Francisco Rodriguez was fourth yeah. all time. It's just if you look at the list, and it's like, oh wait, same thing with just like I said with John Franco. It's just a, it's a pretty, pretty crazy list. I'll say that for sure. But I, I agree. I think we could see him by the end of the season in that top five and likely end his career third all time. And cause like you said, they've both him and Kimbrel have done enough this year to show teams that mm-hmm. yeah, let's give you give you another one year deal to be our closer and. He'll go out and get probably thirty saves for another team next season. That's for sure. Yeah, I could I could see that happen. That's that's yeah, really impressive for both of them at this point. And then there's no other team in the American League East. There's no other you know extremely disappointing <laughs> uh, <laughs> under five hundred team. Oh right, that's the New York Yankees. Um, I guess we have to talk about them. Uh, do the plethora of options take save opportunities away from Clay Holmes, especially considering the blowing that he did against the Marlins over the weekend? Yeah, that was an unfortunate uh, outing for for everyone, um, except for Red Sox fans. But yeah, I, <laughs> not that it matters because I I really can't say anything at this point. Um, but I, I so yeah, I wonder. You know, I don't think I think it's safe to say. I don't think I'm you know bursting your bubble here that the Yankees are probably not going to make the playoffs. I think it's what. <laughs> uh, so I, I do wonder if if they kind of are willing to mix things up a little bit uh, in September and maybe not lean on Holmes as much. And um, cause he really had been the guy for a little, for a long stretch there where he was like the only guy that uh, Boone could trust in the ninth. So I, I do wonder, yeah, they, it, now their bullpen is really, you know, Michael King has been pitching. Awesome. Middleton's been awesome. Kane has been good. It, their bullpen is really like kind of coming together outside of that one Holmes game this weekend. So um, I could see them kind of mixing things up. Maybe maybe they, they, he you know starts going to Holmes in the seventh inning and for like two you know to try to get out of jams again. That was kind of a thing happening early in the season. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see it happening, but it, I don't think it really. I dropped him a little bit this week in the ranks and kind of for that reason, but I, I still, if you have him, if you're rostering him at this point, I don't think there's really much you can do. Um, I think, I think you just got to kind of ride it out. No, but I think it allows for other 
fantasy managers that don't roster homes to sort of speculate on other guys. There's so many options though, that it makes it really difficult. Like yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. I would probably go with Michael King, but like you said, Tommy Kane, Lee, Wandy Peralta, Keenan Milton, and even Jonathan Eliza goes back, not striking anybody out, but he's pitching well thus far. Uh, and even Ian Hamilton has a sub two ERA. So there are so many options there that it'd be hard to just pick one to speculate on. But that being said, they have all of these options and Clay Holmes, who's, uh, an elite ground ball guy that works really well in high leverage situations. So they have the luxury of being able to use him as a high leverage guy and let the other guys sort of fill in the holes when Holmes is used elsewhere. So I think that that does, like you said, knock him down a little bit, but not much you can do as a Holmes rosterer. Yeah. Boone usually likes to take at least, it doesn't take one full, uh, meltdown to make a lose a job it has to be two or three we saw for all just Chapman over the past few years so I think Holmes is still the favorite for saves and let's face it he's been pretty lights out outside of that one bad outing as much as I'm giving him for it <laughs> but if I had to guess the next guy up I think it would be Tommy Canely he was the guy who's been the eighth inning King's been the best reliever for sure but they've been really stretching him out for multi-inning work and mm reluctant to use him back-to-back days so i wouldn't expect them to use him as just a one inning closer unless they do like an eighth inning come and get the big two or three guys out then just pitch the ninth as well but my guess would be tommy canely but like you guys said there are a bunch of really good relievers in that bullpen that it's only translated to a one game under 500 team so you can sense the disappointment in my voice but We'll take a break. Let me regain my composure. When we get back, we'll talk about some more exciting teams and the Kansas City Royals. All that and more on In the Pen. <laughs> when it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, on to the American League Central. We'll start off with the first place Minnesota Twins. Where is Emilio Pagan back? He's been looking really good. I'll get, I gotta give credit where credit's due. Is, is Pagan back? Uh, I suppose so. Yeah, I don't, you know, I didn't really realize how he doesn't have a ton of holds this season. Okay, Rick, the reason I put him on here, he did not have a hold entering the All-Star break. And since the All-Star break, he has seven Seven, holds. He had no saves plus holds. And I was, I've been sort of watching this all season long because this was a guy who had, I think it was, I think the number was at least 11 saves plus holds every year for the past like four years or so. And Mm. then he went to the All-Star break with zero. And it wasn't like he was terrible. And it wasn't like the twins had a ton of options, even with Brock Stewart going on the IL and Caleb Thielbar was out for a while. It was just like Duran and Griffin Jackson. They were just like, no, we won't give the ball to Pagan. But since May 22nd, sub two ERA, since the All-Star break, 1.10 ERA and seven holds, I, I think he's a holdsy candidate again. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, I've slowly been pushing him up the ranks this week, uh, or this the the last couple of weeks, and I I think Tealbar had another good week. He had a good week. He's back. He's also going to cut into the holds mix there, and we know Jax is going to be their top option. But um, yeah, I guess as long as Brock Stewart's out, then you know Pagan's someone you can you can kind of you can definitely trust him as far as not killing your your ratios because he has you know pretty much since May he's been pitching pretty well and the strikeout numbers aren't crazy i mean he had that one year with the rays where he was you know pretty much a pretty elite but that has we haven't seen that from him since so strikeout numbers aren't there but they're solid and he's not gonna you know crush your ratios so if he's still getting holds then yeah worth a look in holds leagues but um 
Yeah, I do wonder. I mean, doesn't uh, Brock Stewart keeps having setbacks, so I'm not really sure if yeah, that's really Yeah, he's on 60-day gonna... IL. I feel yeah. like he's done. Yeah, so yeah, he, he might be that third uh, setup you know, option for the Twins that will we'll have, you know, one or two two holds a week going forward. Hey, we'll take it and hopefully you can get to that 11 or so that uh, Jake mentioned he's gotten every single year of his career. But on to a more a pitcher we were talking a lot more about this season. That's Emmanuel Class A of the Cleveland Guardians. Is this just a down year for him or is the book out and, you know, we start to look towards some sort of 2024 season is he going to be someone that maybe becomes a value because people overlook him or what's our thoughts on class a rest of the way? It's a good, yeah, it's a good question. Like what, what, what is, I wonder what his, uh, if there were a draft right now for next year, where does he rank among closers? I, I mm-hmm. still think he's going to be drafted high based off name value, but yeah, there are obviously a lot of concerns. It's not like, you know, the early season struggles were, concerning then he kind of got it together for a little bit but then it's it's really been very inconsistent from him so especially the past you know the past month has not been great i don't it's tough to say i mean the strikeouts came back but then it came off a bunch of hits and runs so Mm -hmm. it's it's uh something is not something's not clicking for him i know he's, he's had some command issues it's not just like walking people but just missing spots if you you know, he leaves a lot of pitches in the middle of the plate. So I, I think partially maybe the book is out, but I, I think there's a better, I don't think, I think we'll see a better class A next year. Uh, and like, yeah, depending on where, you know, where he goes and drafts, I might buy back in, but I'm always going to be a little bit tent- tentative on, you know, buying back in on someone who doesn't have the, the type of swing and miss potential that, that he has. So I, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where the market is on him next year. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is that his his slider has been a lot worse this year, um, which forces him to rely on his cutter more. Uh, not in terms of usage, but like as a put away pitch, the slider was last year 27.6% strikeout rate, 40.5% CSW. That's extremely elite this year. CSW down to 29.7% and strikeout rate down to 18%. It's a huge fall off. And and clearly that pitch is not really fooling anybody mm. like it used to. I mean, even if you look at the, uh, the percentiles, he's not really, it's not a good slider anymore. 44th percentile in CSW, 68th percentile in swinging strike rate. And I'm sure he was in the, the 99th percentile last year. Um, but that's that's forced the cutter to be his main pitch, and while the the CSW and swinging strike rates have actually gone up there for the the cutter, it's basically like his only pitch since the slider isn't doing what he needs it to do. And while the cutter is really good, I think it's mostly a velocity pitch. Uh, PLVs in the 81st percentile, and I think a lot of that is due to him throwing faster. And he's also lost a half a mile an hour off that pitch. So while he does still have really good skills in many departments. I think that slider definitely needs some work because it's just not been the same this year. And I don't, I don't know if that's because the, the shape of it has changed or the counts that he's throwing it in has, uh, have changed. Or if like I mentioned that, that the book shuts out on him and that, uh, either batters know to lay off the slider or they they've learned how to hit it, but there, there's definitely something weird going on with the slider. And I think that's, uh, that's forced him to become somewhat of a different pitcher. Next on up, it's the Detroit Tigers, and it's a very simple question we ask for a lot of teams throughout the season. Who's the closer rest of the season? Oh man, um, this is a tough one. But yeah, yeah, I, Jason Foley. I, I thought I think that was my answer last week, and then he had a bit of a rough outing, or, or he had a yeah rough outing this week. So I don't know. I I still think Alex Lynn. I I think for the rest of the season. Foley, but I it gets the majority of saves. But I think Lang gets a chance at some point in September, as long as he can just stop walking everybody. Mm-hmm. He's still he's still getting swings and misses. He still has elite stuff when it comes to that. But like, he needs to obviously clean up the walks and just just start trusting his stuff a little bit more and just see what happens at this point. You know, the, there's Tigers aren't making the playoffs, so just you know, just go throw your stuff, throw strikes and, uh, you know, see how that works out and stop walking people because, you know, no one's going to put up with the 20% walk rate, no matter how many guys he strikes out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Folly's, uh, Folly's dis- disappointing outing was, was disappointing. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I had got him in a couple NFPC leagues and he disappointed right away. Three earned runs in his first outing after that fab run. But the weirdest part about that outing was he gave up two home runs. Do you want to guess how many home runs he had given up prior to that? <laughs> Yeah, zero. He had zero home runs allowed throughout the entire season comes into this outing, gives up two in the same one. So I think that was was pretty unlucky. He's a big ground ball guy. He's not going to give up many home runs. I think uh, it was just a a weird outing for him. So I think he's somebody that is going to be pretty solid throughout the whole year. I don't think he's going to be a big strikeout guy, but if he is the go-to saves guy for the rest of the season, uh, if Lane can't figure out his control issues, then he's a decent option. I mean, Lang Lang was a, a guy who's been rostered all year, but uh, yeah, for me, I think it's going to be Foley and I, I feel like Lang's probably done. I'll agree. I'll go, I'll go Foley and maybe Lang gets a save or two here and there, but Foley will lead the team with three, four saves, something like that. Not, there's not going to be many opportunities for the Tigers. But. The uh, the the loud the contact he gave up last night in that game though I yeah I mean uh, 90, 94.2 miles per hour and one hundred and seven point six one hundred and seven point five ninety eight ninety eight point seven eighty seven point seven so yeah Yikes. just a lot of loud contact but yeah that's kind of been you know he's not a big swing and miss guy but as long as those balls are on the ground it can't hurt you that much right sure yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll say that uh, over to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, We've seen some good stuff from Gregory Santos since the trade deadline has taken place. Do we think he can hold on to this closer role and then solidify himself as a late round option in drafts next season? Well, last night wasn't wasn't great, but I I don't see there being much competition for him. Um, still don't really buy. I'm not still, I'm not really buying back into Aaron Bummer right now. I'm supposed, yeah, we've, we've talked about this bullpen, just the, the names on here are so uninspiring. Um, yeah, I, I think Santos, they need to tr- just ride it out with Santos unless he really just melts down and like back to back to back outings. So I'll give him a pass. I'll give him a pass for last night. Uh, the Cubs kind of have something special going on, it feels like right now, the, the way that they're winning games. So um, I, I still like Santos moving forward. Just, you know, as long as the White Sox can find him save opportunities, um, yeah, he should be interesting, you know, play for the rest of the year. And I, I think, yeah, definitely a late round option. If, if he finishes the season as closer, I, I suppose Liam Hendricks could be back, probably will be back. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I. I well, isn't he getting oh, no, Tommy, Tommy John? So, yeah, yeah, he's not. Yeah, so he's out for next year. So, yeah, then, you know, they traded everyone away. I don't know what the White Sox plans are. Like, I, I guess they're fully committed to a rebuild so yeah he could he should be the closer for next year and probably the future i, w- I would imagine yeah I, w- I wish he wasn't the closer now because then i could get an even bigger discount in the mm. drafts next year because i've been in on him for a few months now but yeah i think this is a guy that i'm probably going to be pretty interested in uh next offseason yeah i wonder if they do the usual rebuild sort of team where they sign like a one-year deal to a veteran not saying they'll sign trevor may but the trevor may type where it's just like okay Mm -hmm. this guy's gonna close but if he's obviously a closer then yeah i'll definitely be buying in and uh taking a shot like we thought we would get with uh trevor may late this season but we'll more on him in a little bit and finally for the american central we'll go to the royals we talked about them at the beginning of the show so don't have to go too in depth on it but Who's their closer the rest of the season? I th- yeah, I I still think Hernandez, but it's a, it's not. Again, I'm you know I guess we, we can kind of lump these AL Central teams that are out of the playoffs together, and I I think Santos is the most interesting one, followed by Foley, and then probably Hernandez is the third option. Um, because I just the Royals have been kind of their offense has kind of been playing well, but there's still a lot of, you know, how many save opportunities is anyone going to get here? Especially when it doesn't seem like they're willing to commit to Carlos Hernandez fully. But again, like Austin Cox, I think is the only one with a save this month for them. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he gets, I think if they split time, I still think Hernandez ends up with one or two more saves. And yeah, it's just really just based off options. It should be Hernandez. 
Yeah, I feel like they're going to just like play games the rest of the year and we won't yeah. really get that clarity that we want and it's going to be really disappointing and might be a waste of time to sort of speculate there. But I would hope that they would go with Hernandez, but um, Cox has been better in the ERA department. It's, I don't know, I, I feel like this is just going to be a, a disappointing bullpen to speculate on fantasy-wise. It's going to be like Tucker Davidson closing out games for like three years. It's going to be weird stuff like that yeah. probably the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, or Joe Barlow, like we said at the beginning of yes. the show. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to roster one, fine. But it's like we talk about the A's. Do we really want to roster a, a Royal Reliever? Probably not. But if you want to take a shot on one, I guess Hernandez would be the guy I would choose for now. But it that could change in the drop of a hat. But over to some more exciting teams and then Oakland. Uh, in the American League West, we'll start Texas Rangers. Are we going to stick with Will Smith? He had gotten the vast majority mm. of saves of late, but then, you know, overall, this Chapman still looks awesome. So what do we expect for the rest of the season there? Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I keep going back and forth on this, but I do think that as we get closer to the, the playoffs and we get into September, I, I think Smith's line are, you know, he's going to really have to be on, you know, untouchable and not let up any, not have any blown saves or else I think that they'll be willing to make a quick switch to Chapman because once you, yeah, once you get closer to the playoffs and I, I I don't think Smith has been pitching as well as his numbers did. I think the underlying metrics have been a little bit more, 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 more concerning. So I do think there's a good chance that he does have, you know, a couple bad outings here and there over the next month that, leads to Chapman taking over because yeah, Chapman's just been so unhittable for the most part this year that it's, it's tough to kind of not use him in the ninth inning where he's been, you know, at his best pretty much throughout his career. That makes sense. The, race between the Rangers and the Astros, I think is going to be the most interesting one Mm. in September. So yeah, like you said, uh, they're not going to play games when it comes to that. They're going to really want to win that division, especially with the current playoff format. Um, I, I I don't know if you can sort of predict that Will Smith will lose his job at all, but uh, I think Chapman needs to be rostered in the majority of leagues, even in yeah. save only leagues, because he's just so good. And while I probably won't roster him due to uh, outside circumstances, <laughs> it, it's definitely a, a guy that's been really great all year. And I don't think the Rangers are going to play games. Absolutely not. They'll both play into this if Smith struggles at all. The Rangers are right up there at Baltimore for best team in the American League, where if they, they're competing for a World Series, they will make that switch very quickly if they need to until they see Aroldis Chapman give up a, a big home run in the postseason <laughs> like I've seen many times in my life. But speaking of teams that have hit a home run off Aroldis Chapman, it's Houston, Houston Astros. We've talked a lot about closers, so we'll switch over to some holds candidates. We've, does Hector Naris finish year of the most uh, say uh, holds excuse me, in the Major League Baseball? No, I don't think so. I I think uh, wins. <laughs> I think Swanson wins. Um, really? Yeah, I just well, I mean, I I think Swanson's the most trustworthy here. I Cano could still because they he's still even though the strikeouts aren't there and he's been getting hit around a little bit, he's still getting a ton of holds. He's I think his second in holds since July still. So yeah, Cano mm-hmm. or Swanson, they have a three three holds hold lead over Naris so far. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see one of those guys getting it, or maybe even you know, you know Tanner Scott and Joel Piams right behind him could creep up and you know go on a run too. But I, I, I like Swanson what he's been doing this year. I, I think he ends up with the the most holds, even with the the two Jordans in Toronto now. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean for the for the listeners, the the top two guys are. Yenier Cano and Eric Swanson with twenty seven, and then you have both Hector Neris and. Tyler Rogers with 24. And then you've got, uh, who's the guy you just said? Um, Tanner Scott. Tanner Scott with 23. Um, so yeah, those are, those are the top five guys right now. Um, I think Naris is going to make it close. He does have competition on his own team with Brian Abreu, but like I said, Yenier Cano's sort of fallen off a little bit in the second half. I think Swanson's got a lot of competition now with Hicks there. Um, but so does Naris. And uh, I don't know. I feel like Rogers is going to like sneakily, sneakily w- win that. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. I think yeah. Naris has uh, definitely got a, a pretty good shot at doing that. Naris has a shot. If I if I was making a bet on it, I probably would stick with Rick and I'll say Swanson. But Naris will probably finish second maybe third but there's a lot of uh, intriguing names but especially with Houston having 
a lot of options as well. If Naris some some way starts struggling again, they could just start mixing match like with Abreu and Montero, uh, Graveman. They've got a lot of options back there to uh to take some way if they really needed to. But I Naris has been pretty lights out, and Baker trusts him, so he'll be right up there. But I think he'll finish just short. Over to Seattle, we. S- starting to see a little bit of a committee for Matt Brash had gotten the past two save opportunities for the Mariners with Munoz pitching a lot over the weekend. Does this mean that they're going to be going to a committee the rest of the season or do you think they trust Andres Munoz to be the main guy rest away? Yeah, I think we kind of predicted this for the most part. I think it's still Munoz as the, you know, option one, a with Brash as option one B. Um, but as long as I mean, Munoz went he threw 42 pitches on Tuesday and, you know, giving his and he pitched on Sunday and Saturday. So giving his, you know, injury history, he obviously wasn't pitching yesterday where Brash got a save. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think Munoz is going to be the, the top option. But, yeah, Brash is probably someone he's in that kind of Jason Adam range where I feel like you can roster him he's not going to he's going to be valuable in in, in saves uh, save only leagues even if he's not getting a ton of saves gets a ton of strikeouts going to help you there uh and his whips usually not bad he does have a his ERA is kind of is high but um Munoz is another guy who does have you know history of injuries so Brash is a good handcuff there and someone who I think makes sense to roster in save only leagues, but I still think Munoz is the closer. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting, I think, because I think the the rate the Mariners, although they've been pretty set with Paul Seawald over the past couple of years, I feel like they're pretty open minded and I I don't think they'll let like Andres Munoz sort of fallen off a little bit or struggling um deter them from I, that, that's the wrong word. Um, <laughs> I, I think if Munoz struggles, I don't think they will be scared to go to a committee. I think they're an open-minded ball club that wouldn't mind doing that, especially because they have so many good options. And maybe it's like a two-man committee. Maybe it's Brash and Munoz or or Brash and, or Munoz and a lefty. But I, I feel like Munoz is still going to be probably the guy you want to roster in this bullpen. But I think we'll see more opportunities for Brash than you would have expected after Seawald went out of town. I will agree with that. Over to the Angels. We talked about Carlos uh, Zavez at the beginning of the show. Is he done regressing or are we going to be mentioning Ronaldo Lopez or Matt Moore a lot more the rest of the season? I don't think he's done regressing. I, you know, he, like I said yesterday, he did give up. He, he let up the first two base runners and then he, his past couple outings, he has had the luck, I guess, of, you know, working against the bottom parts of the order for whoever team, whatever team he's been going up against. So he has been kind of bailed out by that a little bit. Uh, he's still, you know, the walks are still, he can't afford to walk people with, you know, given his current, you know, state of just letting up so much hard contact. And I, I, I don't think he's done regressing. I, or maybe he is done regressing, but I don't know if it really matters. I still think, you know, all it's going to take is one or two more, probably just one more bad outing, I think. And the Angels really would, would need to consider making a change there because, they're again, their their playoff hopes right now are sitting at about 1%. So if, if they're still trying to make a run for <laughs> for, for Otani, then they get, they got to they gotta make a change sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like he's probably not done regressing either. I feel like it's uh, we, we got a little... Like oh, what's good? there's like the sometimes you'll have like a pre shock from an earthquake, um, and then you'll have the earthquake, and then you'll have the aftershock. <laughs> I feel like we might have seen the pre shock, and then yeah. uh, he it sort of settles down. And you're like, oh, we're good, and then it, and then he really falls apart. So we'll see. I, I don't wish that on Estevez or any pitcher mm-hmm. outside of ones on the Dodgers, um, but uh, at, at least they have some good backup options, and maybe Ronaldo Lopez uh, looks good the rest of the year. I don't know. I, I feel like. Yeah, there's there's probably more uh, poor outings on the horizon for Estevez. You West Coast are talking about earthquakes like Rick and I have experienced yeah. in our lives. Had, have you ever experienced an earthquake? Little ones. Yeah, yeah apparently we've had. I was on like the water once, and next thing you know, my mom with like uh, fishing, and my mom ended up texting like, "We just had an earthquake." I'm like, "Oh, we're on a water <laughs> and didn't feel a thing." But apparently that's why one like possible earthquake but we've had hurricanes and stuff but yeah blizzards no never never had a hurricane 
no major earthquake. But what better way to wrap up a show than talking about the Oakland Athletics like we always do? Uh, Trevor May, as we always talk about with Oakland, is he viable now in 12-teamers? No. Um, <laughs> I, t- I don't... He's getting saves. Yeah. 12-teamers, man. I mean, yeah, you have to be... You got to be pretty desperate, I feel... Or if you're really if you're really down bad, and if it's a roto league, you're really down bad in saves, I guess. But I I really don't trust anything going on here. I'm upset that Angel Felipe is on the IL because he was yeah. really pitching well and kind of like oh, there's an interesting name finally in the bull- in this bullpen. But then mm-hmm. of course he gets hurt. So, but yeah, I, I guess I, yeah, if you're really desperate for saves, but if if you're in a head to head league, I no don't. There's no reason to to, to roster May. I feel like he's got the same vibe that I had with Daniel Bard and they're very different pictures. And I'm going to start with that, but I was, I always said uh, Daniel Bard's an option for you when he was closing. So the past couple of years, Daniel Bard's an option for you. If you're not worried about like your ratios. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he's going to get you saves. And if you just need saves and you've got other guys to carry you in strikeouts and in ratios, then that's completely fine. This guy's like perfect for your team outside of that. I don't think he's like a general guy that you want. I think he's pretty solid in 15 teamers. Maybe um, I would still be scared there since the beginning of July, he does have seven saves and a 3.180 array, but the strikeout to walk ratio is still pretty bad, nine to seven. And uh, the A's are not good, so he won't be having too many saves. But I mean, he's got 12 on the season. It's pretty surprising that he's been able to be as good as he has despite the underlying metrics. They're still the same amount of strikeouts and walks on the season, 26, which is wild. Um, but yeah, I think the the point about like, if you're not worried about your ratios and your strikeouts and you just need saves, this is the guy for you outside of that. I'd probably stay away. You know, there's going to be a Roto league out there somewhere where someone's going to win saves by one yeah. save and Trevor May is going to make the difference. It's just how a uh, fantasy baseball works sometimes. But mm-hmm. I-, I would agree with what Jake said. If you really need saves, sure, but you better have a nice lead in ratios because those can get blown up by Trevor May and any Oakland closer at that by at that point uh, at any time. So monitor that, but he's right on that border there. I probably would avoid it, but unless you're really desperately need some saves, then mm-hmm. then maybe. But that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen, the American League storylines. We'll dump into the National League teams likely next week, and hopefully there's no uh, major other storylines that we need to talk about uh, for, in terms of relievers. We know there's some big storylines going on in baseball for sure, but... Uh, Nothing reliever-wise, but guys, before we wrap up, as usual, plug where you can be found on Twitter, any other work you got going on, and uh, yeah. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, and as always, just you know, plugging away with the holds and closer rankings each week. Yeah, go read Rick's articles. They're really good. Um, you can follow me at Jake Crumpler, and you can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. Go read Jake's articles. They're also really good. But you yes. find me at Callan underscore Elsliger. And yeah, I'll just, I'm back pretty much full time for the rest of the season. So as long as uh, nothing unexpected comes up, I will probably have this crew together for the next six weeks or seven weeks, however long the rest of the baseball season is. But looking forward to bringing this content the rest of the way. But as always, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter at those handles. Hit us up there. Hit us up in the Discord, however you want to. But we're here to make the difference for you the rest of the way. So let's keep it rolling. Let's find those uh, saves. And we'll talk to you next week on In the Pen. <laughs>